Morning, everyone. Back in October, when we were launched into this series on Hebrews, having courageous faith in a faithful God, we were introduced to three things. The first was a writer whose identity is unknown. Many people have speculated about this person's identity from the way that Hebrews is written, but the truth is, we don't actually really know who wrote it. The second was a group of people. So these were Hebrews or Jewish Christians, Jews who had made that decision to accept Jesus as their Lord, as their Saviour, and as their Messiah. And the third was a specific time. It was AD 70, Jerusalem was falling. There's lots of persecution, particularly towards people who had believed in Jesus. It was a difficult and risky time to be a Christian. Not only were people facing their own storms or their own troubling situations, but they were also being targeted for their faith. They were tempted to go with the flow or fall back to their old ways. And we very quickly discovered the heart behind this letter. Hebrews is just one big exhortation to continue trusting in Jesus in spite of our circumstances. It's that encouragement not to give in, not to settle for anything less. It's an encouragement to hold fast to the truth of God's word that Jesus is better in every way. It's an encouragement to press on, to grow in maturity, that encouragement to use difficulties as opportunities for growth, not to place our faith in anything else. Even when we are facing our own storms and we are tempted ourselves to blend in. It's not just about having faith in the good times, but having faith in the difficult times. It's that assurance that our faith and hope is placed in the only one who is truly faithful, and that is Jesus. Hebrews is an exhortation to look to Jesus and place our hope in him, the anchor for our soul. To place our faith in nothing other than Jesus, his word, and his unshakable kingdom. Church, We have something real and we have something secure to hold on to. And to tie that in with our overall church vision of the up, the in and the out, for the up is that exhortation or that encouragement to have fresh faith in Jesus, his finished work on earth and his continuing work in heaven. For the in is that encouragement of each other that we are all united together by that one message or that one hope, Jesus. We are all called to be his disciples. And for the out, well, it's that opportunity to outwork our faith, the call to mission. Sharing and demonstrating our faith can transform communities. And so this morning, we're going to conclude our series on Hebrews We're going to read an outstanding promise. And quite simply, church, it is awesome. It's Hebrews 13, verse 8, that says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And with that promise, there comes a challenge too. There is a call for all of us to be steadfast, 
are steadfast in our faith. Church, he is a great shepherd who equips us and perfects us. The world needs to know of this assurance and the hope that they can have in him. So if you have your Bibles with you, can you turn to Hebrews 13? We're going to be reading from verse 7 onwards. We're just going to begin by looking at verses 7 to 14. So this Hebrews 13, verse 7 to 14, says this. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace and not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace that he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. So we're just going to go straight into it. The first point I want to make is that the call to be steadfast requires us to have a promised faith in the unshakable Jesus. Now there's a reason that this passage starts by focusing on leaders, because with leadership becomes influence. As leaders, in whatever capacity that you find yourself in, whether you leave a church, your life group leader, your worship leader, kids church leader, hospitality team leader, you are in a position of influence. You've got the power to model to others the standard that you accept. So the challenge for us all in leadership positions is to model a faith that is steadfast and beyond a standard. A faith that can be imitated. It's a faith promised in Jesus who is unshakable in his identity and in his supremacy. He is the same yesterday, today and forever. He cannot be shaken. And as we've seen throughout this series of Hebrews, there's been so many uh, truths that we've come across that he's the author of our salvation. He's the anchor for our souls. He's our great mediator. He's, he's the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. That his sacrifice was a once and for all sacrifice. It is supreme. And a couple of weeks ago, when we were going through Hebrews 12, at the end of it, it says that his kingdom is a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Now, if you've been watching the news recently, you'll have seen or you would have heard that Prince Harry and his wife, Meghan, have given up their royal rights for a normal life, however a normal life looks. Even the Queen, even the Queen as sovereign as she is, cannot stop her kingdom being shaken. 
But praise God that we can put our faith in one who is truly faithful, in one who cannot be shaken, in one whose kingdom is unshakable. And moving on with verse 9, it says, And with our faith in the promise that Jesus is unshakable, we won't be carried away by strange teachings. We'll have hearts that are strengthened by grace and not the things of this world that we believe gives us the strength. You see, the call to be steadfast requires us to keep Jesus as our focus. It's not to be tempted away by the things of this world, not to be tempted away by social media or money or Netflix or various addictions. And moving on through verse 10, for if we don't, we are just like the ministers at the tabernacle, believing that salvation is found in obeying the law, the law that was created to keep us holy, rather than the one who in himself fulfilled the law and made us holy. See, the old covenant was valuable for making us right with God, but it was completely inferior to the one that God brought in through Jesus. And moving on to verse 14, and because we are made holy, we can have the fullest assurance that we are going to a better place. And what is that place? Church, it is the promise of spending an eternity with the one who is unshakable, the one who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that is Jesus. So let's move on through Hebrews 13, verse 15 to 19. It says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices, God is pleased. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority, because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. And do not forget to do good and to share with others. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Verse 18, pray for us. We are sure that you have a clear conscience and desire to live honourably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. So the second point I want to move on to is that the call to be steadfast requires us to have a practised faith in the unchangeable Jesus. Church, our faith is not to be hidden, it's to be outworked. And in the same way that doctors practice medicine, and in doing so, they help to improve the lives of those, not just with physical needs, but with mental health needs. We too are called to practice our faith and therefore help to improve the lives of those, not just with physical or mental health needs, but with emotional and spiritual needs too. See, verse 15, 
A faith that is practiced continually offers a sacrifice of praise to God. It's consistently professing his name. It is declaring how great he is. And a faith that is practiced is not forgetting to do good. It's applying what we learned from last week, demonstrating a selfless faith, demonstrating a pure faith, and a contented faith. And Hebrews 13, verse 1, which we read last week, says, Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. It's about demonstrating that brotherly love to each other, demonstrating the love that Jesus has shown to us. And sharing, as it says in verse 16, it's just simply an outworking of that faith. Verse 17, a practiced faith requires us to have confidence in our leaders and submit to their authority. So let's talk about that. So as a church, we're looking to plant out into Epsom, aren't we? Now, I don't know where you stand with the Epsom plant, whether you're fully behind it, you're fully committed to it, you get the vision you understand why we're doing it, or perhaps you're on the fence a little bit. You're not sure why we're doing it. Don't really get the vision. Can we really do this? Can I urge you to be confident in our leaders and submit to their authority? Because there's a bigger plan in place here, and it's not the leaders. And it's not the churches, it's God's. It is God's plan. And a practiced faith is having confidence in our leaders and submitting to their authority even when we cannot see with our own eyes. Because they too will be putting their confidence in the one who is really leading the church. And they will be submitting to the authority of the one who is unchangeable. Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Church, God is growing his church. In fact, God's growing our church. And that should cause us to pray, which leads quite nicely on to verse 18. A practice faith is a faith that is outworked in prayer. Now, I'm going to be honest here that this is something that I struggle with because prayer is open communication with God. And I'm an introvert. Despite what is going on this morning, the fact that I'm actually standing up here in front of you talking is not a true reflection of who I am. I am quite a shy person, now, it's not that I don't want to talk to people or talk with God, but I just get really shy about it. So if you see me, help me out. <laughs> Come and talk to me. And I'm really sorry, it will be uncomfortable. <laughs> but just like talking with God sometimes, it is uncomfortable. 
So just to quickly flag up the upcoming prayer week, I know a notice has been given out this morning already, but it's not like the church says, well, we're going to have a week of prayer, off you go. But there'll actually be a daily focus, which will help us to kind of, you know, word specific prayers to God. See, our faith is to be practiced. It's to be outworked. And especially now at a time when there is uncertainty in the world. There's uncertainty around Brexit. There's uncertainty about where our country is. The fact that it is rapidly steering away from the Christian heritage it once had. Uncertainty around the law, changes in the law, changes in how we refer to people, changes in how we communicate with one another. The fact that the minute we buy something, it's obsolete. See, in practicing our faith, we are pointing people to the one who is unchangeable, the one that we know we can have a true and certain hope in, and that is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And do you know what's great about prayer? Is that we can speak prayers in Jesus' name. We can speak prayers in his authority too. The one who is unshakable, the one who is, in, who is unchangeable, allows us to pray not only in his name, but in his authority too. Amen to that. So let's talk about Jesus a bit more. Hebrews 13, verse 20 to 25. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for in fact, I have written to you quite briefly. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all the Lord's people. Those from Italy send you their greetings. And the letter finishes by saying, grace be with you all. And so the third point I want to make is that the call to be steadfast requires us to have a persistent faith in the unforsakable Jesus. So as the writer is drawing this letter to a close, there comes a reminder that God is a God of peace. In the face of their persecution, he is their source of peace. He's, he's their calm within their storm. Verse 21 says, The God who is faithful, faithful enough to raise Jesus from the dead. Faithful enough to return our great shepherd back to us can equip us with everything good for doing his will. So he can work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus. Now Jesus is the great shepherd of the sheep 
And just as a sheep is to his shepherd, Jesus is faithful too. He cannot, he does not, and he will not forsake them. Because he is unforsakable. He cannot abandon you because it is completely 100% against his nature. It is against who he is. And he equips us with everything good for doing his will. Now, just as a shepherd guides his sheep, he too guides us. And in the same way that a shepherd cares for his sheep, he too cares for us. And just as sheep like to wander away from time to time, Jesus is quick to ensure that we remain in his flock. But it requires a persistence. You see, a persistent faith in the unforsakable Jesus is the urgency of bearing with this exhortation in Hebrews. It's to continue trusting in Jesus in spite of our circumstances. It's that encouragement not to give in, that encouragement not to settle for anything less, to hold fast to the truth of God's word that Jesus is better in every way. It's that encouragement to press on, to grow in maturity, to use difficulties as opportunities for growth, not to place our faith in anything else, even when we are facing our own storms and we are tempted ourselves to blend in. See, blending in, it's one of those ugly words, isn't it? I think it was Steve who said a couple of weeks ago that convenience and compromise were ugly words when it comes to faith as well. See, persisting in faith in the difficult times is having that assurance that our faith and that our hope is placed in the only one who is truly faithful, and that is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now, one of the hardest things I did last year was run a, uh, a marathon. I ran a Brighton marathon. So the picture on the left, you can see that I'm smiling. Now, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't smiling all the way through, but I was smiling at the fact that actually I could see the finish. I could see the end. I knew that actually the pain and the agony would soon be over because actually I could just see that point when that race was coming to an end. And the picture on the right is obviously me enjoying a post-race beer. Now, after you've run a marathon, it's not recommended that you drink a pint of beer <laughs> because you do and you do feel sick. But it was one of the hardest things that I did last year, running that marathon. Because signing up was easy. And yes, it required an initial cost, similar to when we first accept Jesus into our lives. And for a while, I didn't really have to do anything until the training started. So I looked up marathon plans, marathon training plans. I started small. 
aside with easy runs, and I slowly built up to running 5K, 10K, half marathons, and I hit obstacles, like the cost of buying new running trainers, or when I fell over and I split my knee open and I had to have stitches. But then I slowly got back into it, slowly built on that progress, until running became a lifestyle. I was running half marathons consistently in under two hours. I'd get up early and I'd put a run in before work. I'd put a run in before church or even after church. I ate loads, that's probably catching up with me now, and I drank loads of water, that is, <laughs> in order to keep my body adequately fueled. And so when marathon day came, and the nerves kicked in. I was physically and mentally preparing myself for a long run. And when I started, I started well. Did 5K, 10K, completed the first half in under two hours. And like our faith, we can start really well, can't we? And then the real test begins. And at the 20-mile point, I was about three, hour, three and a half hours in, and I hit this wall. Now, I'd heard about the wall. Now, it wasn't a physical wall, but it was this kind of, I don't know, this, this kind of sort of barrier that stopped me carrying on. And I experienced it, and it was hard. I stopped believing that I could finish. In fact, I stopped running, and I began walking. And so my belief in finishing had disappeared. And like our faith, when we hit a wall, we can lose hope, can't we? We can therefore lose the persistence to carry on. But praise God for Jesus, who is our greatest marathon now, I found this quote online, and I can't remember who wrote it, but it says this, Forget about the spectators. There is somebody standing at the finishing post who actually fired the pistol at the starting line. He is the one who started us off, and he'll be the one who will see us finish. The message is clear. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus and run. And just to add to that, that not only is he there at the start of our runs, not only is he there at the finish, but he's also pacing us through it. He's there with us on that journey, on that run. And we are all on our own runs. And we all have a responsibility to make sure that we're adequately fueled for whatever that run brings. Whether it's prayer, whether it's reading the word of God, whether it's just encouraging one another. You see, having a courageous faith and a faithful God requires us to be steadfast in our faith, not just in the good times, but in the difficult times too. 
it's regularly asking yourself, where does my hope really lie? Am I anchoring myself in my ever-changing circumstances? Or am I anchoring myself in the one who never changes, the one who is unchangeable? There's this great quote by a lady called Corey Ten Boom, who's famous for hiding the Jews in her house during uh, World War II, during a time when they were being persecuted. And she said this, you can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. You can never learn that Christ is all you need until Christ is all you have. Church, Jesus has the final word. Jesus has the final word. It's not your situations. It's not your circumstances. It's not what what you're finding yourself in. It is Jesus. Jesus has the final word. In fact, actually, Jesus not only has the final word, but Jesus is the final word. Because it says in the book of John, John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And today, the word is with God, and the word is God. And tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, next decade, next century, however long we live, and forevermore, the word will be with God and the word will still be God. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. Amen to that. So at the start of this preach, I said that when we were launched into this series on Hebrews, we were introduced to three things. We were introduced to a writer whose identity is unknown. And we know that from verse 19, that as the writer was urging the Jewish Christians to pray so that they will be restored to them soon. The challenge for us all is, can we identify with that writer? Why was the writer keeping his or her identity unknown? What is your identity this morning? How do people know you? I wonder if, like me, at times you've been tempted to hide your real identity. We were also introduced to a group of people, Jewish Christians, who were facing that temptation to blend in, tempted to return back to their old ways. There comes a challenge this morning. What is your faith like when you are under pressure? How do you demonstrate your faith amongst your family, your friends, your work colleagues? Do you behave differently around certain groups of people out of fear or out of peer pressure? I know I've been guilty of that as well. Or how about the specific time? Perhaps right now for you, 
It is AD 70. And Jerusalem, as you know it, is falling. Your, your community, your family, your friends, your job situations, they're falling. They're becoming a bit fragmented. You're facing your own storms. Where does your hope really lie? You see, putting our faith in Jesus, it feels like it costs us everything. I failed my driving test twice, sorry, my driving theory test twice before I passed third time. I failed my driving practical test four times before I passed on the fifth time. I can assure you that I am a safe driver. It is okay to get in a car with me. I also went for a promotion four times, and four times I was knocked back until someone took a chance on me. I failed my promotion assessment twice before I passed on the third time. As a family, we've been trying to extend our house and we've been applying for planning permission. And our planning permission was rejected not just once, but twice before it went, finally went through third time. See, putting our faith in Jesus, it feels like it costs us everything. But if you leave this morning believing that, church, you will leave with the wrong attitude. Because the cost is nothing compared to the cost that he went through for us. The cost of his sacrifice. See, it feels like it costs us everything. But the truth this morning, church, is that in Jesus, we gain everything. We gain everything. So if I was asked this question... Would I run another marathon? Would I run another marathon? Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would, definitely. And if someone asked me, if things were different, would I put my faith in Jesus again? And the truth is, yeah, I would. I would, absolutely. Because he is unshakable. He is unchangeable, and he is unforsakable. He is Jesus, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So we're going to come back to worship, and we're going to sing a song called Christ in Me. And it has the words, my hope and my glory, my certainty. He is the one who we can have a certain hope in. He is unshakable. And it, the song starts with a verse. But Jesus, you're the hope that I cling to. That's not just a message for us going through difficult times, but that's a message for us all. Jesus is the hope that we cling to. So why don't we stand, if you're able to. And we're going to worship. But before we worship, I just want to pray for us all.